Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirabbilalamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala asyrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Allahumma anfa'na bima 'allamtana wa 'allimna ma yanfa'una wa arzuqna 'ilman tanfa'una bih. Amin ya rabbal 'alamin. Alhamdulillah thumma alhamdulillah. Uh, we continue tonight with our Lu'lu'ul Maknoon, our classes on the book, The, the Cherished Pearls of Seerah. Alhamdulillah. And last week we spoke about the protection of Allah Azza wa Jal upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from the, the filth of Jahiliyyah. And we spoke about the various ways that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala protected the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, preparing him for Nubuwah, preparing him for uh, prophethood. So tonight we move on to the next chapter in the book, which is Ilhasatul Bi'tha. Ilhasatul Bi'tha, which refers to the foundations of the pro- of prophethood, the foundations or the four grounds that was laid down for prophethood. Um, the first issue discussed is Hajbu Shayatini al Istiraq al Sam'i in the Qurbi Mabathihi sallallahu alayhi wasallama. The first issue discussed is the veiling of the shayateen. Which shayateen? The shayateen, those eavesdropping shayateen. And this was done near to or just before the sending of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam or before the before prophethood. So Ibn Ishaq he mentions that as prophethood came near, as the time for prophethood came near to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The shayateen, the eavesdropping shayateen, were, were veiled. And they were blocked off and prevented from, uh, from overhearing and from listening to the akhbar of the sama' the news and the information that came down from the heavens. And they were prevented from the seats that they used to take. They had seating places that they used to take where they used to go and listen to the wahi or to listen to the information that was being sent down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the various malaika. And they would then be shot down with shot down with meteors or shooting stars. And then when the jinn realized this, that something has happened, something has now happened, all of a sudden we are unable to, to do this. They knew something important has happened. So Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions this in the Quran, right? And he revealed ayat to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we're going to get to the hadith that mentions the sabab al-nuzul or when this was revealed. The ayah that was revealed was the beginning of Surah Al-Jinn. Where Allah Azza wa Jal says, قُلْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ أَنَّهُ اسْتَمَعَ نَفَرٌ مِّنَ الْجِنِّ فَقَالُوا إِنَّا سَمِعْنَا قُرْآنًا عَجَبًا Say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it has been revealed to me that a group of the jinn, they listened, they overheard and they said, Indeed, we have heard an amazing recitation, a wondrous Quran, an amazing Quran. It guides to the straight path, to the, the right course, and we believed in it. And we will never associate a partner with our Lord, or any partner with our Lord. Not anyone. And this book, it teaches that exalted is the nobleness of our Lord. 
of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Mattakhada sahibatan wala walada Mattakhada He did not take a wife Nor a son Wa annahu kana yaqulu safihuna Ala Allahi shatata And Our foolish ones The foolish ones They used to say about Allah A great transgression Wa anna zananna and we thought, we used to think that insan, the ins and the jinn would never say a lie about Allah. And there were men from amongst mankind who used to seek refuge from men amongst the jinn. And this only increased them in evil or wickedness or misguidance or burden. وَأَنَّهُمْ ظَنُّوا كَمَا ظَنَنْتُمْ أَلَّا يَبْعَثَ اللَّهُ أَحَدًا And they used to think, just like you think, that Allah would never send another, would never send another messenger, or that he would never send a messenger. وَأَنَّا لَمَسْنَا السَّمَاءَ أَفَوَجَدْنَاهَا مُلِئَتْ حَرَسًا شَدِيدًا وَشُهُبًا Then Allah says, and we, or the jinn, this is Allah narrating what the jinn said. And the jinn said, we sought to reach the heaven. We sought to, Go up to the heavens, but found it filled with powerful gods. Harasan shadidan, powerful gods, wa shuhuba. Shuhuba is those flaming, burning flames that was waiting for them. Wa anna kunna naqudu minha maqaida di And we used to sit there in positions. We used to sit there in, in positions for hearing. They had positions and seats that they used to take to listen. Fama ana. But whosoever listens now, يَجِدْ لَهُ شِهَابًا رَصَدًا He will find for himself a flame lying in wait for him. Rasada means it's lying in wait. It's waiting for him. وَأَنَّا لَا نَدْرِي أَشَرٌ أُرِيدَ بِمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ أَمْ أَرَادَ بِهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ رَشَدًا And we do not know, therefore, whether evil is intended for them on earth or whether their Lord intends for them a right course. They don't know anymore because they can't. They can't hear any longer. So they say now, La nadiri. We don't know anymore. Whether it's good or bad, that's intended because they cannot hear anymore. They are shihaban rasada. They are flames waiting for them. It's lying in wait. As soon as they come, these flames get sent. So when the jinn heard this Quran, when they heard this Quran being recited, they knew that this is what is happening? This is how they were, or why they are now prevented from, from listening to the news of the heavens, of what's being sent down from the heavens. And this is of course for hikmah. What's the hikmah in it? Why, is, why must they be prevented? So that distortion doesn't take place of wahi. So Allah Azza wa is preparing for wahi. He's preparing the situation for wahi. So that when wahi starts to come, they cannot just go and hear and start to convey other information so that the wahi gets distorted and gets mixed with the news that is coming from the heavens. And this would then, of course, be problematic for insan, for the rest of the people on earth. So Allah did this to establish his proof, his evidence, and to remove any doubts, any confusion. And these jinn understood this. They believed as well. These jinn that heard this, they believed. Then they went to their people and warned their own people. Surah Ahqaf, Allah says, قَالُوا يَا قَوْمَنَا 
When a group of the jinn heard, they listened and they said, keep quiet. They then went back to their people and they said, oh, our people, we heard a book that was sent down after Musa, confirming what was sent before it, which guides to the truth and to the straight path. So the jinn, many of them believed and they even went back as mundirin, as, as warners to their own people. However, when did this take place? This is the issue that firstly needs to be discussed. When did this rust happen? Rust is those, those, those flaming meteors that have been put in place that prevents them from listening. Right? When did this take place? Was it before prophethood or after? And does it continue after? The death of the Prophet sallallahu was it only for the time of wahi? Or does it continue forever and ever? Right? These are the issues that we will discuss bi-idhnillah. So the Shaykh, he brings a hadith from Bukhari and Muslim, which is narrated by Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, who said, مَا قَرَأَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ عَلَى الْجِنِّ وَمَا رَآهُمْ That the Messenger of Allah, he neither recited over the jinn, nor did he see them. So meaning there was no meeting between him and the, the jinn. Until what happened? He went out with a group of his sahaba. With a group of his sahaba. ila suqi ukal, Whilst intending to go to the suq of ukal, The marketplace. A bazaar that's, that was known as ukal, And at that time he says. The shayateen had been prevented from listening to the information of, from the heavens. And the shuhuba was sent upon them. Those flaming uh, meteors were flung upon them. And so what happened was this. The shayateen went back to their people. These shayateen, the eavesdroppers, they went back to their people. And the people said, Ma lakum, what has happened? And they said, we've been prevented. Something is an obstacle that's obstructing us from, from listening. And shuhuba has been sent upon us. Those flaming flares or, or stars have been sent upon us, flung upon us. And so the people said, what has caused this? Something must have happened. An event must have taken place that has caused this to happen. So travel, travel. Mashariq al-ardi wa magharibiha. To the east and the west of the earth. And go and see what has happened. Go find out what has possibly happened that is now preventing you from reaching the heavens from the earth, or, or sorry, the information from the heavens. And so they left, and they went out, and they, they traveled. And a group of them who traveled towards Tihama, they went in the direction of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa whilst he was in a place called Nakhla, a place called um, Nakhla, which is near to Makkah. And he was, as we said, on his way to the Suq of Ukal which was just outside of Makkah on the way to Ta'if. So he's on his way and these jinn come across him. And what was he doing as they reached him? He was praying Salatul Fajr with his companions that was with him. Okay? Side note here. Is there an issue here? What does this tell us? After? This happened after Mi'raj because he was praying Fajr. However, we're going to say, we're going to get to the point where we say that this happened before prophethood. Right? So how was he praying Fajr? If he 
Yeah, Ibn Hajar explains, he says, a person shouldn't be confused about this. That he was praying Fajr with his companions. Because they used to pray before the Isra and the Mi'raj. But only two salahs. Before Fajr and before Maghrib. Before Fajr and before, before sunset, sorry, they used to pray. You understand? This was now before the five daily salawat. So he was praying Fajr at that time. But this Fajr was not part of the five daily salahs. It was something different that they used to do. Okay? However, they come across Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and when they hear the Quran, they listen to it. And then they said, this is why, or this is the reason. This is the reason that this has happened. Um, so they went back to their people and they said, we've heard a, a, a amazing Quran that guides to the right path and we believe in it. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this ayah to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this happened before the Isra and the Mi'raj, but just after, after prophethood. Just after prophethood. Okay? Another hadith in At-Tirmidhi, with an authentic chain of narration, and also in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, from Ibn Abbas, he says that the jinn used to listen to the wahi, and they used to hear a kalima, one word, and they would add ten to that. So for each one, they, 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 would, they would hear, they would add ten to that. So what they would hear was the truth, but they would then add falsehood to it. They would add their own falsehood to it. And those stars were not shot upon them yet. When the Prophet wasallam was sent as a prophet, this is when they were unable to go to those places where they used to sit in and listen. Right? Except that they would be shot down with a star which would burn them. Then they would go and, to com- and complain to Iblis. They went and they complained to Iblis. And Iblis said, what is this that has happened? And he sent his army. He sent his troops to find out. And then they found the Prophet wasallam praying in Nakhla, in that place. They then informed him of this. And he said, this is what has happened. So this is another narration that's slightly different. That mentions again, um, this is what has happened, which has caused them to, which has prevented them from reaching their places where they used to listen to the, the wahi and, and the, the information of the heavens. Uh, Abdul Razak mentions in his tafsir from Ma'mar an Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri rahimahullah ta'ala that he was asked about the, the shooting stars that were shot upon the jinn. Did this happen in Jahiliyyah or not? Did this happen before prophethood? In the times of Jahiliyyah or not? And so he said, Naam, it happened in the time of Jahiliyyah. However, When Islam came, this became more severe and more harsh upon them. Understand? So it did happen. So it's not to say that they had free reign. They could travel up and listen to everything and come down and spread all of the wahid and all of the information. They could still only hear a few things. You understand? But once Islam came, it became much more harsh upon them and much more severe upon them. And then he mentions the ayah, that when we saw to go up into the heavens, we found it filled with severe gods, powerful gods, and shuhuba, those flaming arrows. Um, so this only happened after prophethood. 
that the, the heavens were then filled like this with the guardians of Allah, with the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with those shooting stars ready to descend upon them. Right? So before this, it, it happened, but not as severe, not as um, extreme. So what happens now? Is it still possible? Or is it not possible? Is this only for the waqt of Nubuwa? We'll get there insha'Allah. Now, okay, let's discuss that. that did this stop with, with the prophethood? Or with, in the time of prophethood? Or does this continue? continue? Right? We say it continues. Right? It continues and the jinn are still shut down. Right? He brings a hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said فَإِنَّهَا Or firstly he asked the people in Jahiliyyah. He said to them, when they saw shooting stars, he said to them, what is this? What is it that you people used to say about this in Jahiliyyah? And so they said, when they saw this, they would say, either a great man passed away or a great person was born. This is what, this is what it signified to them. So Rasulullah said, فَإِنَّهَا لَا يُرْمَى بِهَا لِمَوْتِ أَحَدٍ وَلَا لِحَيَاتِهِ It's not shot for any person who's born or any person who, who passed away. But our Rabb, Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, blessed is he and exalted is his name, when he decides on a matter, those carrying his arsh, those malaika that carry his arsh, they glorify him, they make tasbih. And when he decides something, this information is then sent down from those malaika to those below them, to those below them, all the way to the last heaven. And this is where the, the jinn that ascend, this is where they, over, they, they try to listen. Because they cannot go all the way up, but they're listening to the last heaven and they get to hear some of it. حَتَّى يَبْلُغُ الْخَبَرُ هَذِي سَمَعَ الدُّنْيَا فَتَخْطِفُ الْجِنِّ السَّمَعَ So they snatch a, a part of this and then they carry it to their, to their awliya, to their protectors, those below them. Because how do they ascend? They ascend one on top of each other. One on top of each other, they, they get on top and they climb up all the way up. And so the top one, he listens, he snatches a bit of information and he passes it down to the next one. And then it passes down this chain. Right? And the hadith in Bukhari says, he takes one bit of information, right, which is the truth, and he adds 100 lies to that. 100 lies to that. Until it reaches people like the fortune tellers, like people who are working with this jinn, the Sahara, you know, the, the magicians, people busy with witchcraft. When it reaches them, they get one bit of truth, which is mixed, mixed with a hundred bits of falsehood. But that one bit of truth is what stands out. So didn't, that, didn't they say so and so? And when people go to the fortune teller, he says, this is what's going to happen. Mixed with a hundred lies. That one bit of truth stands out for them. This is what he said. It's the truth. He knows what he's talking about. He has knowledge. He's connected. He's a pious person. And this is how the system works. You understand? So this continues to happen up until this day. Even though they are shut down. Even though we believe that they are still, they are still shut down. But what happens is, sometimes 
they transmit the information before they get shot down. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get shot down immediately. Sometimes they transmit the information before they get shot down. And this is out of the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Out of the qadr of Allah azza wa jal. But ultimately they still get shot down. Because the Quran says, rasada. It's lying in wait for them. It doesn't miss. But sometimes they transmit a little bit of information and then they get shot down. However, we believe it still continues. And there's a narration that Umar radiallahu anhu, where he spoke to Ghailan ibn Salama radiallahu anhu. This man, Ghailan, he was married to 10 women. And when he accepted Islam, it was said to him, you have to divorce and just keep four of them. So he divorced six and he kept four of these women. Until a time came where he divorced all of them. He divorced all of them. And so Umar said, I think that the shaitan who overhears information, he must have heard about your death. He must have heard about your death and he must have informed you about it. What else is going to cause you to do this? To leave all your women and then just to leave the inheritance for the children. This was his intention. So Umar is saying to him, it's as if, like what caused you to do something so silly? You know, maybe those shayateen must have told you that they heard about your death and this is why you're doing what you're doing. Doesn't make sense. And so Umar instructed him to take them back. And if he doesn't, Umar said, we're going to pelt you even if you did. We will pelt your grave. And Umar who threatened him like this. Um, point is, Umar is mentioning the, the shayateen that, that are still working. They are still doing this, this work, subhanallah. So it's very important to understand this for various reasons. Right, firstly, we see in terms of seerah, in, in terms of prophethood, that the coming of the Prophet ﷺ put a stop to a lot of the, this evil. Because the jinn don't come except with evil. These are evil jinn that go up and listen, these are shayateen. And they only bring evil. Right? From another aspect is that these things are still happening. And it's important for the Muslims to know about this because it affects society. Because when you find magicians and when you find fortune tellers, this is how they get the information. This is how they can tell you things that's about to happen. It's nothing special that they are doing. They are only working with the shayateen. And it's very important that people know this because it's happening in our societies. All over. All over the world. And it's people that seem to be pious people. A fortune teller is not like you, like you think that you saw on TV as you grew up, you see someone that looks hocus-pocus, you know, someone that looks crazy. And he's got this glass ball, and he, everything about him is strange and crazy. And you think a magician looks like, you know, these people look like pious people, with the big beards, wearing thobes, turbans on their heads. And this is how they fool and deceive the people. And people think they're going to someone righteous. People think they're going to a saint. But in reality, this is the hal. This is the condition. These people are working with shayateen. These people are working with devils. They are working with evil jinn. And they are committing disbelief by worshipping them and assisting them and so forth. So what then happens is they don't bring shifa to those who go to them. They only bring more bala. They only bring more hardship and more trials and they only make the affairs worse of the people. And it's very important that people get educated about this. Because 
people's lives are upside down due to these types of things. Um, so the moment somebody does anything strange or asks you anything strange, you should know immediately something's not right. Ruqya, when we seek Ruqya's help with the help of, of a Ruqah, those people who are doing Ruqya, it's simple, it's Quranic recitation. It's adhkar from the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and that's it. Tayyib, so we said that this continues after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and it will continue to happen, although these shayateen are shut down by Allah azza wa jal. Tayyib, um, Ishaq or Ibn Ishaq and Ibn Sa'd, they mentioned that this happened after the Prophet returned from Ta'if after the death of Abu Talib and Khadija radiallahu anha, which means this is sometime after prophethood. Although this is then refuted by Ibn Hajar and Al-Hafidh Ibn Kathir rahimahumullah. Right? And they mentioned that this happened in the early days of prophethood. Right in the beginning of prophethood, this is when um, this is when these things happened. Okay? And then he mentions a hadith which is weak from a Tirmidhi and Abu Dawood where Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu he says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to him on the night of the jinn on the night of the jinn what is in your water skin? So I said Nabid. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said Tamratun tayyibah wa ma'un tahurun fatawadda min. He said this is pure dates and pure water. And so he took wudu from this water. But this hadith is weak. And many of the salaf and the scholars have mentioned it's weak. The point that for mentioning this is that the authentic narration in Sahih Muslim says, also from Ibn Mas'ud, that on the night where they witnessed the jinn with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, for the first time, for the first time, the wording of the hadith says that Al-Qama, said to Ibn Mas'ud, were you with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the night of the jinn? Um, and was anyone else with you? And so Ibn Mas'ud says, ma sahibahu minna ahadun. Nobody was with him. Nobody accompanied him. But we lost him on that night. They were with him, but he, they lost him. And so they said perhaps he was killed. Or perhaps some of the jinn took him away. Something must have happened to him. So he says, فَبِتْنَا بِشَّرِّ لَيْلَةٍ بَاتَ بِهَا قَوْمٌ We had the worst night ever which people could have ever had. Because they felt that they, they lost Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When the time of Subh came and they were near to Hira, the cave of Hira, they found Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they said, Ya Rasulullah, what happened? And he mentioned to them what happened. And he said, إِنَّهُ أَتَانِ دَاعِيَ الْجِنِّ an inviter of the jinn came to me. And so I went to them. عليهم, and so I recited Quran for them. I recited Quran upon them. So Mas'ud said, بنا, We then went with the Prophet وسلم, So we saw the traces, the traces of the jinn and the traces of the embers. So this happened. One of the first things that happened or before or one of the times that the, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came across the, the jinn. So this tells us that there was a few times that this happened in his life where the jinn came to him for various reasons. 
In one hadith it mentions that they came to him to find out about Islam. To find out about Islam. And this is the this hadith that we mentioned. They came to him to ask him about Islam and he recited to them. The other hadith spoke about, they came to find out, they were just traveling to find out why were they prevented from eavesdropping. And they found him and they heard him reciting Quran. It was then revealed. So this happened a few times that they would come to him for various reasons. Firstly, to find out about Islam. Then they found him for, uh, they would come and ask about ahkam, rulings, and so forth. Tayyib. Um, so that's one of the th- main incidents that happened just before and just after prophethood. The prevention of the jinn from eavesdropping. And the main reason for this was to preserve wahi. So that their information that they come with will not be mixed with wahi. So that the wahi that is revealed is clear. And it's established. And no one can claim that it's mixed up with the akhbar of the sama that the jinn come with. Because they are, most of the time they are shut down by uh, the meteors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends upon them. Other issues that happened before wahi was sent. There was a few other things that happened before wahi was sent. So during the last few days before prophethood, there were some traces and signs that began to happen to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa as if, you know, to show you that, that, that something was about to happen to him. The first thing was, ru'ya sadiqah. He had truthful dreams. So just before prophethood, Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates and she says, أَوَّلُ مَا بُدِئَ بِهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مِنَ الْوَحِي أَرُؤْيَ صَادِقَةُ فِي النَّوْمِ That the first thing that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam got from wahi. The first thing that happened to him regarding wahi was, he would have truthful dreams uh, whilst he was asleep. فَكَانَ لَا يَرَى رُؤْيَا إِلَّا جَاءَتْ مِثْلَ فَلَقِ الصُّبْحِ So there was no dream she said that he had except that it came through like the daybreak. Like فَلَقِ الصُّبْحِ like the, like the time of dawn. To indicate what's meant by this, in terms of clarity, in terms of how clear his dreams were and how clear it, how, how it came through exactly as he saw it in his dream. So this was the first thing that happened, that he started to have dreams. And all of his dreams that he had became true. It was exactly as he saw it in his dream, just like you see the, the, the sunrise and you see the, the dawn, that's how clear his dreams were. Sadiqa, it was true. Secondly, حُبُّ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ لِلْخَلْوَةِ That the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he started to love khalwa, seclusion. He loved seclusion, especially just before prophethood. Just before he reached the age of 40, which is when he received prophethood, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made khalwa beloved to him. And this was the most the happiest times that he had when he, he moved away from people and he spent his time in seclusion. So Rasulullah sallallahu would move away from the people of Mecca every year in the month of Ramadan and he would spend that time in the cave of Hira. 
in the cave of Hira. Hira, where is Hira? It's in Jabal Nur, right? It's known as the Mount of Jabal Nur. It's a small cave that's found in Jabal Nur in Mecca. This is where they used to go to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was the practice of the Quraysh. The Quraysh would go there and spend time in worship during the days of Jahiliyyah. They would, they would frequent and go to Hira. The hikmah in this, in that he would spend time in Hira, was that this cave was situated in such a place that you could see the Kaaba from it. So Hira, you would go there, and from Hira you could see the Kaaba. Right? So when he spent time there, there was at least three benefits. Number one was Khalwa, seclusion. Peace and quiet, he was alone by himself, and he had time for worship. So secondly, this was a place where they used to go and worship. And thirdly, you could see the Kaaba from there. So it was a special place to go to. It wasn't like any other mountain. From this position, they could see the Kaaba. It was a place where they could worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, it was a place where he found his um, seclusion. Ibn, Ibn Hajar then mentions that what did the Prophet ﷺ do as worship? What did he do as worship? This is before prophethood. So what worship did he do? Was it based on a, a prophet before him? Worship that came to him from them? Or was it something natural? And he actually mentions that there are more than eight opinions on this. Right? Some of them say it was upon the Sharia of Adam alayhi salam. Some say Nuh. The third opinion is Ibrahim alayhi salam which many of the scholars use, and they mention the ayah of the Qur'an where Allah says, أَنِتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا That is to follow the, 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 the religion of Ibrahim. The fourth opinion is Musa. The fifth opinion is Isa. The sixth opinion is that, uh, that he followed anything that reached him from any previous prophet. Because Allah says in the Quran, They are the ones who have been guided by Allah, so follow them in guidance. Meaning anything that reached him from the previous prophets, this is what he possibly did um, as worship. And the seventh opinion is al-waqf, meaning they didn't have an opinion. He worshipped, we don't know how, and it's not important to know how. Understand? And Ibn Hajar says, that the, the third view seems to be the strongest, which is Ibrahim alayhi salam. Because we know of the Hajj that reached him, Tawaf reached him, and regarding the, the ibadat around the Kaaba and so forth, these were things that reached from Ibrahim alayhi salam. So this is what seems to be the stronger of the opinion, and Allah Azza wa Jal ultimately knows best. However, he had this love of seclusion. So what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to do was he used to take supplies. He used to ready some supplies and he used to go and spend an entire month um, go and spend the nights of the, of the month in seclusion. And when that supplies was, was used up, he would then go back to his family, spend some time there and resupply similar, a similar amount. He would then go back to the cave of Hira for one month of the year 
and he would spend his time there in reflection, in, rep- in pondering over the condition of the affairs of creation and so forth. And he understood that behind all of these issues, there is a, an amazing qudra, amazing power and ability behind this. So he knew that this comes from some power that's greater, you know, a greater force behind all of these. To look at the affairs of things and think about everything. And he also realized that there was a higher power behind all of this. That there was, you know, something more divine behind all of this. Until he reached a high level, you know, in, in, his, in his heart, in his pure heart, where rays of divine secrets entered into his heart. And this is when he reached that level of no dream would come except that he, it, was, it came true, just like the, the daybreak. Hadith in Bukhari and Muslim from Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that the first thing that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa got of wahi was true dreams. Then seclusion became beloved to him. And he used to spend time in the cave of Hira and he used to worship therein continuously for many days. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he used to do i'tikaf in the month and um, this was the first thing that he would start with before going to the Kaaba. He would then do tawaf about the Kaaba and then he would go back to his family. So he would make i'tikaf, right? Although the word mentioned is jiwar. Jiwar, what's the difference between jiwar and i'tikaf? Jiwar at that time was permissible, which is you make i'tikaf anyway. Because i'tikaf is only permissible in a, in a masjid. So that's the difference between i'tikaf and jiwar. The Prophet did jiwar because he wasn't in a in a masjid, he was in the cave. So you do i'tikaf there. Then he would go to the Kaaba, perform tawaf, and then he would go back to his family. So this was what he used to do every year. He did this for at least three years before prophethood came. He did this for at least three years before he received wahi, before prophethood um, happened. So we mentioned the true dreams that happened to him. We mentioned the khalwa. The seclusion that became beloved to him. So this became his sunnah. For three years, he would take supplies and go spend time in the cave of Hira for days on end. And he spent his time there, go back to the Kaaba, make tawaf, and then go home. Restock his supplies and go back. And he would do this for one full month. And it said this was in the month of Ramadan. So he would spend time in the cave, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just in tafkir, you know, reflection and thinking deeply about things thinking about himself, thinking about his situation, thinking about life, thinking about who his creator is, you know, all of these things he pondered and he understood there's a higher power behind everything that's happening. And this already brought him closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. All of this, all of these things was in preparation for him to strengthen him. That khalwa was to strengthen him for worship. So that one day when Qiyam comes, for example, and this, he was already a man of worship. He was already a person who could stand and spend time, spend these nights, for example, in worship. And it gave him strength. So there was a lot of hikmah in this. And this is what Allah made beloved to him. Thirdly, Taslimul Hajari was Shajari ala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa The third thing that happened was there were some stones or rocks and trees that would greet him. There were some stones or trees or rocks and trees that used to used to greet him. 
A hadith in Sahih Muslim from Jabir ibn Samurah radiallahu anhu, he said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inni la'a'rifu hajaran bi Makkata kana yusallimu alayya qabla an ub'ath. Inni la'a'rifuhu al-an. In this authentic hadith, he says, I know of a stone in Mecca, a hajar, a stone in Mecca that used to greet me before prophethood. Before prophethood, the stone used to make salam upon me. And I know the stone to this day. And he never forgot where the stone was. He knew exactly that is where the stone is. To this day, meaning after prophethood came, years later, he knew the stone and he knew exactly where the stone was. Understand? But this happened what? <coughs> this started happening before prophethood. In a Tirmidhi hadith, which is weak, but the author, he says, from Ali ibn Abi Talib, anhu, he said, I was with the Prophet in Mecca. فَخَرَجْنَا فِي بَعْضِنَا وَاحِيهَا فَمَا اسْتَقْبَلَهُ جَبَلٌ وَلَا شَجَرٌ إِلَّا وَهُوَ يَقُولُ السلام عَلَيْكَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Ali says we were with Rasulullah in Mecca and we went out to some parts of it, you know, and we did not come across any jabal, any mountain, nor any tree, except that they said, السلام عَلَيْكَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Peace be upon you, O Messenger of Allah. Peace be upon you, O Messenger of Allah. And, and the author says this hadith is weak. But it adds, it's a still a narration. Um, and it adds to the point that he's trying to make. Ibn Ishaq mentions in his book from some of the scholars that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when Allah azza wa jal intended to bless him with this prophethood, and to, just before this happened, what happened to him was he would go out to relieve himself. Now again, the sunnah back then was... When they want to relieve themselves, they had to walk out into the desert, find a place of seclusion, relieve themselves and come back. So he would abad, he would go far out until he was blocked off and nobody could see him. He was veiled from any of the homes and houses. And he reached a valley in Mecca. He went out like a little, a small valley, you know, between some hills. And... He did not pass by any stone or any tree except that they said to him, Assalamu alayka, ya Rasulullah. Peace be upon you, O Messenger of Allah. And the Prophet sallallahu would look around when this happened. He would look around from his right to his left behind him and he would not see anybody except stones and trees. So you can imagine this before Prophet would so when this is happening, he's thinking, who's there? You know, is there somebody there that I can't see? And somebody is greeting me, but all I see are stones and trees. So he would stay there as long as Allah wanted him to be there and relieve himself. And this is what he would hear and see. He looks around as if to see anybody around, but he only sees stones and trees that are greeting him. And then until this happened, until Jibreel السلام, eventually came to him with wahi in the cave of Hira, which happened in the month of Ramadan. Imam al-Suhayli, rahimahullah, he mentions... That there's nothing strange about this. There's nothing strange about this. That the stone can greet him. And that the trees could greet him. Because we have an authentic hadith in Sahih Bukhari. Where it mentions that Rasulullah when he used to give the khutbah in the mimbar, right? Or in the, in the masjid. He used to give the khutbah in the masjid. Masjid al-Nabawi was built upon date palms and trees 
as its pillars. And the place that he used to give the khutbah from, there was no mimbar yet. He used to stand nearby a date palm, a tree, right? And he used to speak from there. This is where he used to give his khutbah from. And then an Ansari person, a man or woman came to him and said to him, Ya Rasulullah, let us build for you a mimbar. So when you give the khutbah, you can ascend the mimbar and give your khutbah from there. So he said, why not? And so they built him a, a, a mimbar. What then happened? They brought the mimbar and when the Prophet sallallahu ascended the mimbar and he started to give the khutbah, what happened? The date palm, the tree cried like a child. Like a baby cries. The tree started to cry. Until Rasulullah sallallahu descended from the mimbar and he rubbed the tree. And he consoled the tree. And he said, it's only crying because it misses the knowledge that it used to hear, that we used to give nearby it. it it's longing to hear what, we, what it used to hear of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we used to stand here and give khutbah and speak about Allah azza wa jal. Because we've moved and we've ascended, that tree is longing for that ilm, that dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah, this narration is so deep, so powerful. Think about it. A tree is crying. Longing for ilm, longing for knowledge. But where is insan? You know, where are the believers when it comes to the gatherings of knowledge and the gatherings of, of dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal with the bounties and the favors of Allah are mentioned and the ilm of Allah is mentioned? Where are we from these gatherings and where are we from crying and like babies, like children, longing for that? Longing for that knowledge. Subhanallah, this is an inanimate object. This is an inanimate thing that we think, you know, is, is nothing. That we think is, is it's dead. But as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does Allah say about these things? That everything in the heavens and the earth, it glorifies and it remembers Allah. But, la tafqahuna tasbihahum. Allah then says, you don't understand their tasbih. You don't comprehend their tasbih. Insan. But they are making tasbih. They are glorifying Allah. They are remembering Allah. It's only that you don't realize. You don't comprehend. You don't understand. This was with the message of Allah. Hence, Allah allowed the tree to speak or to cry at least. And He allowed those stones to greet. And He allowed those trees to greet Him. Qudra of Allah. Allah can allow anything. Right? And we know on Qiyamah this is going to happen as well. Where all things are going to speak. Where our limbs are going to speak. Allah will cause our hands and our feet and our legs and our arms, to, our skin to speak. وَقَالُوا لِجُلُودِهِمْ لِمَا شَهِدْتُمْ عَلَيْنَا A time is going to come where they, our, the people are going to say to their skin, Why did you bear witness against me? Why are you doing this? And the skin will speak back and say, Allah caused me to speak just like he causes everything to speak. Just like he causes everything to speak. On that day, no, no, nothing will be spoken except the truth. And everybody will be quiet and only those allowed by Allah to speak will, be, will speak. So this is not strange for a believer to believe that the trees gave him salam. The stones gave him salam. This is understood that 
It's from the qudra of Allah Azza wa Jal. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to allow it to speak, it will speak. It will speak. Um, fourthly, سَمَاعُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمَ الصَّوْتِ وَرُؤْيَتُهُ الضَّوْءِ The fourth thing that happened before, just before prophethood, was, as the hadith in, in Sahih Muslim says, from Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, he says, أَقَامَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمَ بِمَكَّةَ خَمْسَ عَشْرَةَ سَنَةَ يَسْمَعُ الصَّوْتَ وَيَرَى الضَّوْءَةِ He says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stayed in Mecca after prophethood for 10 years. After, after, prophethood, after prophethood for 10 years. Hearing a sound, يَسْمَعُ الصَّوْتِ A voice. He heard a voice, a sound. وَيَرَى الضَّوْءَةِ And he also saw a light. He also saw a light. Sab'a sinin wa la yara shay'an. And for seven years, but he did not see any visible form. He never saw any visible form. Wa thamana sinin yuha ilayh. And for eight years, he, wahi was sent to him. Um, what was he seeing? What was he hearing? What could it have been? He heard voices and he saw light in Mecca. What was it that he saw? What was it that he heard? This was before prophethood. This also happened. In another hadith in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, an authentic hadith from Ibn Abbas, anhuma, he said, Inna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala li Khadija. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Khadija, Inni ara daw'an wa asma'u sawtan wa inni akhsha an yakuna bi jununun. He said, I see light. And I hear voices and sounds. So I fear that I'm crazy. I fear that I've gone majnoon. Junoon, I've gone crazy, I've lost it. So what did Khadija say? Can it be? She said, Lam yakunillah liyaf'ala thalika yabna abdillah. She said, it's impossible for Allah to do that to you, O son of Abdullah. Allah will never do that to you, O son of Abdullah, because she knew the virtue of her husband. She knew he's a good person, a righteous person, who looked and cared for the weak and, and for the masakin and so forth. Then she went to Waraqa ibn Nawfal and she mentioned this to him. So Waraqa said, Waraqa was a Christian. He knew the previous scriptures. And this was her uncle. So Waraqa said to her cousin, right? Waraqa says to, to her, if this is true what he is saying, what he is seeing, what he claims, then this is Namus. This is Namus, just like the Namus of Musa. What's Namus? Huh? No, he's, he's saying, if the Prophet ﷺ is saying what he saw is true, what he's truly seeing, what he's seeing, and hearing what he's hearing, then this is Namus. Right? The same like Musa had Namus. Namus is Jibreel alayhi salam. Namus is Jibreel alayhi salam. So he says, this is Namus, referring to Jibreel. Right? Just like Musa had Namus, this is the same Namus, this is the same one, this is Jibreel alayhi salam. فَإِنْ بُعِثَ وَأَنَا حَيٌّ فَسَأُعَزِّرُهُ وَأَنصُرُهُ وَأُؤْمِنَ بِهِ So, Waraqa then says, if he receives prophethood, if he receives prophethood, and I'm alive, when this happens, 
I will honor him. I will stand by him. I will assist him and help him. And I will believe in him. This is Warakah ibn Awfal. I think Warakah dies before prophethood. So some say he died as a believer based on this. Right? Allah ala kulli hal. I think we'll speak about Warakah again inshaAllah. Right? But this is the fourth thing that happened before prophethood. So firstly, what was the first main issue we spoke about? That, that laid the foundation for prophethood. Before that we spoke about the, the jinns, the shayateen that were prevented from listening to the wahi. That, was pre- that are now being shut down. Right? That was the major thing and it's a major issue. That they have now been prevented because of the sending of the messenger. Because this is in preparation that the mission is about to come. And wahi is going to be sent. Hence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put this into place. That he is now preventing them from eavesdropping and stealing the wahi. They do it, they get away with it from time to time, but they only get a little bit, a drop of, of wahi, of the information of the heavens, and they mix that with the hundred lives that lies, and this is what they spread to their, their followers. Then we mentioned four points that, was, that happened just before he received wahi. Four things that happened to him just before he received wahi. The first thing we spoke about was his dreams. All of his dreams became dreams that were truthful. So there's a difference between a good dream and a truthful dream. Right? A ru'ya salihatu is a good dream. Right? Meaning you see something good. The Prophet wasallam, most of the time he saw good dreams. Right? But sometimes he saw bad dreams as well. He saw things that was not so good. And that, that came true. Right? So we are not saying he got good dreams. That's something slightly different. He had most of the time good dreams, but he also had bad dreams from time to time. What we are speaking about here is ru'ya sadiqah, truthful dreams. Whatever he saw in his dream came true like, like you see the daybreak, that's how he saw it happen. This happened before prophethood. The second thing was khalwa, seclusion. This became beloved to him and we said this was to prepare him. This was to ready him, to get him ready for, for prophethood because this allowed him to become a person of ibadah, a person who stands by himself, a person who reflects and thinks deep into things. Thirdly, we mentioned the stones and the trees that greeted the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they would address him as Ya Rasulullah, Salamu alaikum Ya Rasulullah, peace be upon you, O Messenger of Allah. And the fourth thing was. This, this light that he saw, he used to see nur, some daw, daw is a light. He saw some daw and he heard sounds, right? He, and this was Jibreel that was with him, that, that, he would, that he would, you know, feel and see and think and he would wonder to himself, what am I seeing? What can this be? Eventually he speaks to Khadija, who speaks to Waraka, and to them Waraka was a knowledgeable person. Waraka then says, that's the Namus, like the Namus of Musa, meaning that was Jibreel. Giving him, telling him, when you say are sent as a prophet, I will be there with you. Because Waraka saw the signs of prophethood, just like Bahira, this narration that we spoke about, saw the seal of prophethood, saw the signs of prophethood upon him, similar to this. So these are some of the things that happened to the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, just before he received wahi. Just before he became a prophet. So we'll stop here tonight, inshallah. Next week we move on to the next chapter, which is.
the incidents that happened from the sending of Wahi to the Hijrah. We're going to speak about what happened to him after he received Wahi, from the moment he received Wahi up until the up until the Hijrah. Bi'idnillahi ta'ala, that will be the next chapter. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Shadu ala ilahi ila ata astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.